welcome to Everyone is Everything, episode 31. It's interesting because I sometimes I know what this podcast is and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I know why I'm doing it. Sometimes I don't. Um, or I think I know why. I probably haven't figured that out. But I know that as it kind of unravels in my hands, um, there's certain types of people that I am super happy to connect with and super happy to share their work. And today's episode is with Madison Margolin, and she is 100% one of those people. Um, When I first became aware of her, and I can't remember how, probably online, Instagram, whatever, um, she crossed off so many boxes of things I wanted to talk about. And I think I mentioned that in the beginning of the podcast, but she's a journalist. She covers psychedelics, cannabis, spirituality, Jewish life. Um, she's also the author of Exile and Ecstasy, Growing Up with Ramdas and Coming of Age in the Jewish Psychedelic Underground. So we've got Ramdas, who just keeps showing up on so many episodes. Um, we have mysticism, um, especially from the the Jewish um, viewpoint. It's and psychedelics, which we haven't really talked about, but so much that I think is important. And she is just a wealth of information. Uh, it was hard to even consider what we were going to talk about. Um, but she's she's a co-founder of Double Blind Magazine. She's written for Rolling Stone, Playboy, Vice. I mean, her website has so many good articles on it. Um, and very much uh, relatable and a person that is also exploring and learning and uncovering what their experience is. And I think that's just, it's so cool. And she's, she was such a good guest and I'm so excited to share it. So her book is available on Amazon for pre-order. I can't remember if I said that 30 seconds ago, but it doesn't matter. It is, um, Growing up with Ram Das and coming of age in the Jewish psychedelic underground. She tells an awesome Ram Das story at the end of the podcast, so make sure you hear that. But otherwise, enjoy Madison Margolin. Here we go. So I'm I'm glad to have you here. And here's what I want to start with because um, we haven't really talked before. And I remember when I started the podcast, because you'll I think you'll be my 30th episode. Uh, I, I had just a list of topics, right? Like I was like, okay, these are the things that I hope to find people that I can discuss these things with. Um, one was Ram Dass, just in general. One was psychedelics and anything surrounding that and then one was Jewish mysticism and then I somehow stumbled onto you (laughs) I was like cross all these off um and so that's why I'm excited um that and that it's interesting because Ramdas has come up so many times on the the podcast but no psychedelics and no Jewish mysticism at all I've had a rabbi on but we didn't go into anything mystic so I'm very excited that you're here um so just thank you for that, I just had to give you a little background. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here too. So we'll just start with this because we, we have an hour about um, your book. Why not? We just, let's just jump into the, to that a little bit because it literally is all three of those things I just said. So maybe let's just, just give us a quick uh, opening about the book and, and then we'll just see where we go from there. Sure. So it's, um, you know, sort of like a gonzo journalistic memoir reported story um, about my life. Um, and, you know, I usually tell people like it's about Judaism and psychedelics and, you know, from the perspective of growing up in the Ram Dass community. And then I'm like, OK, actually, Judaism and psychedelics and Ram Dass is my life. So I'm like, which mm-hmm. one's my life and which one's the story and vice versa? Um, so I, you know, I grew up in the community that's called the satsang, um, surrounding Ram Das, but really it means that surround the people who are all devotees of the, 
um, Guru Nimkarli Baba or Maharaji, um, who's an Indian guru who died, left his body, as they say, in, I think it was 1973. I don't want to be, I might be mistaken. It might've been another year, but, um, and so pretty much Ramdas was a devotee or, you know, disciple of this, of this guru. And a lot of his teachings are really, um, come from, derived from the teachings of the guru himself. Um, and so my father met Mahara my father met Ramdas and Maharaji both in India on the same trip, and that really became like his sole family, like the spiritual home that my father fell into and that raised me and my siblings inside of. Um, also, we're Jewish, and you know my grandparents are from Brooklyn, and I you know I I grew up celebrating all the Jewish holidays, and so I always kind of asked myself like what you know what is it that my parents and their friends are looking for in Hinduism that they're not finding in traditional Judaism and again both my parents kind of come out of this like post-holocaust generation of like dry American Judaism that's just looking to assimilate and not stand out too much and they're both very like spiritual and kind of religious oriented people who that's not going to cut it for them and so because it hadn't been shown to them through Judaism, you know, Hinduism, spirituality, yoga, that kind of thing, meditation really became the place that gave them spiritual sustenance. Um, so my, you know, a lot of the people also who I grew up with, you know, had very kind of psychedelic paths that you could say led them to wanting to seek out more spiritual sustenance in India. And so with my own kind of Growing up, I I grew up, you know, I, I was exposed to these people. My dad's also um, a criminal defense lawyer. So he, you know, specialized in lead cases and also like defended Timothy Leary on a case. And again, like this was the kind of eclectic background that I had. And as a journalism student, when I was in New York, um, every student had to cover an ethnic community. And so because I was the only Jew in the class, um, well, one of two Jews, they said that I should cover the Hasinam in Brooklyn. And I, you know, I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to have access to the world's most insular religious community just because I'm Jewish, but sure. Um, and I, I ended up stumbling upon a group of kids who were sort of like, had one foot in the community, one foot out, were like negotiating their relationship to religion. And they were doing a ton of psychedelics. Mm. Um, Psy trans festivals in upstate New York, uh, ketamine, acid, molly, shrooms, like all this stuff. And in, I said to myself, like, there's no way that they could be coming from such a religious background and have Judaism not um, come up at some point in their trips if they're tripping this much. Um, and, and then I met another group of people also from the Orthodox world um, doing a lot of plant medicine like ayahuasca ceremonies and combining that with Jewish ritual and Jewish prayer and Jewish song and it felt very familiar and it, I realized that like these were sort of birds of the same feather who I grew up with it's just that they were singing in Hebrew rather than Sanskrit and I realized that the psych psychedelics were really the common ground or psychedelic consciousness I should say was kind of the common ground between all these disparate like you know Jewish groups from the Hindus to the Hasidim um, and it helped me reconfigure my own relationship to and perception of Judaism in general and I started to see Judaism as it's like as its own sort of psychedelic path and psychedelic integration practice and um, yeah that's that's kind of what the book is about right and it's I mean all it's so fascinating and it's so interesting because uh my my dad's Jewish, my mom's Catholic, so I I skimmed the surface of both. You know, I didn't really go super deep into any um, as as a kid. And my dad actually asked me the other day. He said, you know, because he's he'll he'll take some of my books if I'm reading something, he'll borrow it. And he's like, why why are all these Jews going to India? Like, because he's he's read Be Here Now and some and this stuff. And he's just like, it seems. You know, and it's just so interesting that that was, you know, you have a direct um, experience with that generation who were looking for something um, that was, 
like you said, not as dry, you know, not as like withheld. Um, because I, I do feel like, you know, I guess, practically speaking, spirituality should be opening us up, right? So, um, and not kind of living in any kind of dry fear. And I'm not saying anything is bad or or not, but that's just my perspective. So it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because I just was asked that question. I was like, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, but yeah, and, it, and then seeing how psychedelics tie in because we, even myself, like I'm worried, I, you know, I have people that will listen, probably family members who are going to be like, no, 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 this is drugs. This doesn't fit with personal growth or spirituality or anything. Um, and that's based on their experience. So I, I, I'd be curious to hear, you know, maybe, and I, like I said, I have, you, you have so much, I looked at your website, you have so many articles. I was just like, I don't even know. There's so much information. I think I could start you on one thing and you could talk for an hour, um, which I love, but I would like to talk about kind of what it means, what psychedelic means. Let's start at the ground level, you know, because we're not exclusively talking about you know, psychedelic substances, but, you know, I know you referenced living a psychedelic life before. So could we just go into that? Let's start there. Yeah. So I, I define psychedelics like in my own way. I mean, officially mm -hmm. the term means mind manifesting. Um, but I, you know, the way I understand what psychedelic means is something that, um, centers around, like brings out the soul like really, you know, makes it, allows it to be more prominent and also makes you feel much more embodied at the same time. So, you know, it's like a true like embodiment of the soul, which is really just the human experience, right? Like the soul mm -hmm. and the body, right. but it, it like makes it feel more real, um, uh, more, more vivid, um, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, is it, I mean, how do we even know? Like you said, it's the human experience. So you're doing it already, right? Like no matter what, you are in some way doing it. You're in your body. You're you. You have a soul. This is all happening. You are. So, you are a soul. You are a soul. Right. Right. Thank you. Um. And I also love that. Just as a side, like as I talk to different people, even just reframing the wording, the language of different things can like shift an entire perspective. So, um. You are a soul. You have a body. Okay, is that what we say? I think that's actually a C.S. Lewis quote. But yes, is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. your primary identity is the soul, mm -hmm. and then you know, and then it's the soul inside the body. Right. So if we're embodying this experience and 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 this this experience of being a soul, um, and we're making it more vivid through uh, through a psychedelic lens or or experience. Like, how do you even know that you're doing that? You know what I mean? Is it just an awareness of it? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what, when do we know we're on that, these things that make it more vivid? You know what I mean? Because it's hard to define to say that, like, I had this experience and this felt psychedelic to me for someone who's maybe not went in that path before. I mean, I don't think you have to use like soul terminology to... Mm -hmm understand that you're having a psychedelic experience you know mm -hmm. I think it's really anything that is beneath the surface that is coming up and it could be like all of a sudden my body felt really heavy or my body felt really light like we're you know having a different experience in the body mm -hmm. is psychedelic as well um you know nervous system regulation and relaxation uh, or getting really paranoid, you know, like something got dug up and all of a sudden something got activated. So all of these are very embodied experiences. And it's a question of like, what is being embodied, right? Um, which could be like the soul or our emotions or, or whatever it is. But, you know, for people who are atheists or who don't like soul speak or anything like that, like, you know, like I said, the, the standard definition of mind manifesting means like whatever is going on in, in your internal world and in your cognitive mental state is just going to be magnified with psychedelics. Um, so, you know, it digs up what's beneath the surface. Right. So it's just uh, it's like a microscope kind of like we're going to study this. We're going to actually have some intention and look at what's happening and mm -hmm. hopefully, I guess, get some meaning or some 
Yeah, I mean, look, like it's there's so much like discourse right now about like psychedelics as medicine, psychedelics and therapy, and I, I believe in all of that. And look, I a lot of us, myself included, have also just like done psychedelics for fun, and it can be therapeutic to have fun. Or sometimes, like you just go back to your regular life and you life stays the same. And unless you're like really doing work of like integrating like the lessons that you come to during the psychedelic experience, like there's no right way or wrong way to like do psychedelics it's just a matter of like how you're doing it and why and what you're trying to get out of it um so I just you know I just want to say that there was there was one thing I was going to say and I'm I'm forgetting what it was but yeah like just you know the the same people who like go like who go to concerts and do psychedelics like that that's also psychedelic you know like and maybe it's just like Oh, it makes, I remember one of the first times I tripped, I kept saying like, everything's in 3D, everything's in 3D. And it's like, okay, everything's always in 3D. Mm. But all of a sudden you're like realizing it with fresh eyes. Um, and so I think just that alone is, you know, is a cool, is a cool thing to, um, to just a cool awareness to hold. Right. And it, it kind of sounds you know, because I think a lot of times, you know, if, if, if we're reading um, writings from mystics or 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 these psychedelic pioneers and all this stuff, like, I think sometimes it's easy to intellectualize the stuff. You know, it's easy to be like, yes, I get that. Like, let's even like, uh, like you said, everything's in 3D. Yeah, I, you could tell me that. And I said, I understand what you're saying. Um, or you could say just like a general, like non-dual idea. And I'd say, yeah, I can see that like everything is connected. I get it. But then it sounds like what you're saying and I'm not, uh, how it hit me at least, I'll say it like that, is like that almost like you feel that like it's beyond just the intellect. It's like a, just a, a step past that where I'm like, oh, everything's in 3D. It's like you see it differently <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does. I remember one of the first, the very first time I tripped, I was with a friend. He was like taking down my quotes or something. He was also mm -hmm. tripping, but I said something like when we were on Venice beach and it was like, sun was setting and it was getting cold. And he said, I said something like I'm shivering, but it's not me. And like, I was like, I, whenever I shiver, like my teeth are clattering and whatever chattering. And he, he kept that. And it like, it really is like this whole experience of ego death, which is another tenet of the psychedelic experience of just like, dissociating from your regular like ego identity and like okay like like what's shiver you know like it's mm -hmm. not me like I'm not the body that's shivering so that was kind of like my first experience and stuck with me I think wow and what it you know it's like it's like you're doing math problems and you're peeking in the back of the book for the answers <laughs> like you don't you're not going to stay there you're still going to go back to the page and work it out and show your work so to speak <laughs> but like you know, it's, it's interesting, because even if we just, you know, if, you know, I've been, I, I uh, started, you know, Ram Dass and Alan Watts, and these like, typical um, access points that I think a lot of people have, were, were for me as well. And then I, I fell into Vedanta through Hinduism. And, and so a lot of non-dual stuff, um, which is everywhere. Um, but uh, it's interesting, because the just the idea, ideas um you know like you said like in the trip you you felt it like as truth versus knowing it as like an intellectual thing because it's hard to practice those truths kind of you know because like if everyone recognized that this idea of you're not you know you're not the one shivering or this bigger non-dual idea of like everything is this oneness if we actually believed that in our day to day, we would act very different. Right. You know? If I believed that, I wouldn't have been nervous for this talk. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, if I really did, I said, you know what? She's me. Like, we are, there's no difference here. I, but I had my heart racing and I was like, oh no. And then it was, you know, you know, am I going to, how do I get through my notes? Do I not look at my notes? All the things. Right. And so it's so interesting. Um, because it seems like looking in the back of the book, almost knowing there's an answer, you know, it's like if you looked in the back of the book and there it was blank, mm -hmm. you know, and I think this is what I think maybe a lot of people who who separate too far from their spirit 
look in the back of the book and it's blank. There's, there's no answers. So I like hearing your stories because it seems like you've had, you know, with a lot of your experience, you look, oh yeah, there are answers. And then you go back. Sometimes, yeah, it's true. And and we, the idea is like, we want to like live, live with the awareness of those answers. And sometimes it's still hard to like get our bodies to catch up to that. So it's like, okay, now we have all these realizations, like we know it, but like, can the body, like, can the nervous system act like it and like actually just like calm down and like be okay? You know, like we know the answer, it's okay. And it it's still such a practice to, you know, to live that, to, to li- not just live with that awareness is one thing, but can the body hold that awareness too? And that's, that's a whole other thing. And, you know, I'm still, I'm still working on it, you know? Right. I mean, and it is, it's, it's like this constant dialogue that's happening, whether you like it or not, that's like, and if, and maybe that's the, that's part of this thing, the awareness, this word that gets brought up a lot, but is actually very significant is like, so if my brain, my body, my mind, my body, my soul, or me as a soul, I'm going to work on that, I swear. But uh, if this dialogue is happening, you know, my, my body feels fear, feels um, whatever. And it, it starts, let's pump some more blood to, you know, let's do this. And then my mind's like, okay, let's tell the stories of what, you know, and we'll, we'll connect on this. And it's, it's the awareness almost would be just that added element of being able to watch that and say, okay, wait, remember that everything is 3d or <laughs> remember that you're not the one shivering, you know, or all these things. And it's not to completely separate yourself from the experience because you're in it like I'm not I can't reach in and stop the the slow my heart rate I can't at least and so that awareness that I think keeps getting um, brought up in your experiences seems to be the thing that lets us see that in a way that we can maybe shift the dialogue and say and maybe have a little bit more compassion within it and be like it's okay of course you're nervous like yeah you're going to talk to someone you've never talked to before and you don't know how it'll go. And then that's okay. And if it, if she hangs up on you, that's fine too. <laughs> like it's, you know what I mean? Whatever the narrative is. It, and it's, uh, it's adding that little awareness with some compassion. It feels like really. I mean, I think Ramdas talks about that as like being the observer, right? So it's like, if something bad is happening to you, he's like, Oh, this is an interesting like plot in the story. Like what's he going to do next? Like, how's he going to react? And like the part that's observing the, the shivering or the nervousness or the, whatever it is, is actually the part that's okay. Mm. And that's the part that's pretty stable. And can you like, can your body, can your nervous system like lean into like that observer part? Maybe that's your soul that's observing, who knows? Um, the soul, your soul yeah. whatever. Um, but I, th- you know, what you're saying really does strike me as something that sounds like, you know, Ramdas's own lessons. Yeah, I mean, and I, yeah, not nothing. I mean, you could argue the, the all these teachers are conduits for some truth that we are. We, I mean, he, I mean, he always in those, uh, in some of those lectures, he'd, he'd say, you know, you, you know, you already know this. Like, you just come here to hear the thing that you already know, and that's, you know, that's why comedy works. I mean, you laugh because I, you know, somebody said something that you think is a truth. You know what I mean? You cried a song because all of a sudden they said something that feels like a truth to you. So, um, which is why I think some of these teachers, if they say things that feel deeper and true, like all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that started, one of the questions that, that kind of brought this up for me initially was, you know, and you could think about this different if you follow different spiritual beliefs. Hinduism would have, a, you know, Buddhism, anything reincarnation would have maybe a different view. But um, like when you're born, before they told me I was Sean, before I realized I was shy or silly or liked heavy metal or any of the stories that are me, like I was still something. I was a thing. Like something was there. What was there? Like who was I then? And that that I can't solve with any answer that's like well you were you know these this genetic makeup sure but like i was still conscious so is that still there and if that's still there how do i access that or how do i recognize that it's still there at least have it be mixed in with all the stories yeah i mean that's 
that I think that's the ultimate that's the ultimate question or the ultimate you know awareness to live by or consciousness to live by is like what is that consciousness and maybe like you know and you could there's theories whatever you could say like the soul is like a piece of like fractalized divinity and it's you know uh, you know the way like god consciousness like separates itself and the duality of the one thing and i don't know but it that's i think that's what we're hitting on in so many words right and it's and it's hard to do because like you know and this is where the practicality of this stuff comes in like where 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 can it become practical and where do these practices experiences conversations books all the stuff listening to ram das like where do they where does it become practical because tomorrow i'm going to wake up and i'm going to go sit in a cubicle for eight hours you know i mean like it's it's what it is i'm going to sit in traffic i'm going to do all the things and you know where where's the practicality and i think we've already touched on it a little bit you mm -hmm. know like we've talked about you know the awareness and being able to see that inner stuff with a little bit of different lens to where maybe we can um, not challenge the narratives but be more compassionate with the narratives is there anything that you think, you know, and even if it's specifically, uh, you know, based in a Jewish ritual or in this, any, anything at all that, that you find is like, man, this practice or this thing is so practical, people should use this, like, or something that worked for you. There's like, this actually just straight up helps me be a regular person. You know what I mean? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, the two things I'd say are number one, Shabbos, um, and number two, practice called Hisbotidus. Okay. Um, so Shabbat, Shabbos in Yiddish um, is the Sabbath. And I really just like don't know what I would do without it. Um, it's like, I mean, A, it's just like a mental health day um, where I like, you know, it's a practice of being present. Like that's really like Shabbos is a practice, right? Like, um, and it's just like, can you be present? Can you like be here now and not be thinking about what's on your phone or not be thinking about work or not be thinking about deadlines or not be thinking about what you're doing after Shabbat or what like, and so the mental diligence that Shabbat asks of us, if we're trying to practice it um, or observe it in some way um, is huge. It's And it's like such an interesting way for you know, to understand even how the brain works. Um, like you'll, you'll hear like people who like smoke for instance, and you know, if they're observant Jews, you can't smoke on Shabbat. And like some people will say that they just, I mean, it's not for everybody. Some people have a really hard time with it, but some people just like, don't get cravings on Shabbat. It's like, what's that about? Like, how can like the, how, how does that happen? Like, it's actually like a very curious, like, you know, mental cognitive thing so I, I always say that Shabbos is the set and setting you know setting is obvious like good food singing wine whatever and the set is really like what what state of mind what state of heart what state of body are we in um so no so I'd say that like without Shabbat I don't know what kind of like horrible workaholic I would be <laughs> and <laughs> you know just it's like a way to plug into yourself and to unplug from you know all this other bullshit kind of like stuff right. that's is real and then right. as just being with self and family and right. god and then yeah the other practice is called his boda juice um it's basically it's a practice that is um kind of like recommended by uh rabbi nachman or is it, he's a, a rabbi from ukraine um hundreds of years ago I a Hasidic rabbi and um he said just talk to God like he's your best friend mm -hmm. and a lot of talk therapy I think actually derived from this practice and so it's like go by yourself in your car ideally in in nature so like in a field whatever and just like talk just like whatever's on your mind um like anything like anything at all and it's just like really it's not easy actually you'd think I mean on the one hand it sounds really easy it's like you can say whatever you want on the other hand it feels really awkward because you're talking to yourself or it feels like you're talking to yourself mm -hmm. um but it helps 
helps bring to surface like what really is on your mind and what you need to deal with. Right. I mean, both of those are so good. And what I what I like when when I hear you talk about Shabbat too, or what kind of hit me is at no point did you know because sometimes when we say be in the moment be present we 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 act like this is you know we should do it all the time right which means that if you don't do it then you you messed up and now i got to get back to whatever and um it can be challenging but i what i like about what hit me is is it's almost as if i'm just going to set everything i'm going to set it down for now i'm not going to throw it away we'll be back I'll set the, the the briefcase down. I know we don't have, I don't think people carry briefcases anymore, but I'll just set it down, set the phone down. And, you know, my big box of stuff, all the stuff I think about and worry about and stuff, I'm just going to set that down. And I mean, it's, it's a practice that, that like seems so valuable and then even can be extrapolated into like mini versions, if you want like just that tool of being able to just be like, what if I just set that down just for now? I'll be back. Even like, I've thought about that with like, just critical self-thought. Like, I'm like, what if today I just, I just don't worry about how I look. You know what I mean? I'm just going to, for now, we'll be back. I'm just going to set it down. I'm going to set my, my worry and my, my to-do list of being better or whatever, just down. And then it'll come back and it's fine because it's planned to come back. So it doesn't feel as much pressure. Um, I really, I, I just like that, um, and that's just how it hit for me where it's like, okay, it's, we're not saying it's not going to be there. We're just pausing mm-hmm. and pausing is like the whole thing. I mean, that's part of, um, they say that like when Shabbat comes, like it's seen as if all the work in the world is complete, even if mm-hmm. it's like not finished or like, like the way it is, is the way that is, is perfect. Like the way it is in its com- imperfections and incompletions and whatever is actually like the finished product once Shabbat hits and to just like see it as that you know is really like I think helps I don't know just there's a different perspective right and I mean it makes sense because in in like how you said that it affects us like cognitively we are sort of different in that space when we're not looking to finish a thing because I guarantee I don't think you could walk up to any human walking around the cities and say what what do you have to do today like what's unfinished and they'd give you something probably give you 15 things but if we were okay with the unfinished i mean that's good that's like that man i'm sorry i just gotta stop there because that is like even better than me setting it down it's like oh not only am i going to set it down but it's done it's fine it's there like this is how it's supposed to be right now right right wow that that's that's so good that I forgot the other one. What was it? <laughs> what was it? Oh, the his votives? Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, talking to God, talking to yourself. Right, right, which is great too, because it's, I mean, the especially free-flowing like train of thought where it just starts coming out. And I know in, in the Hindu tradition, there is, I mean, they talk about different relationships you can have with God, one being of a friend, um, which is very valuable because you can tell your friends whatever i'm not going to tell my mom or everything or my you know co-worker everything but a, a good friend yeah and i can i can sound stupid i can show my jealousy and all my stuff and just be like and then it does there's something about having it come out whether it's writing or speaking where it's like oh it's because it yeah i think about it but it's different when it comes out asked a friend like what's the point of this like shouldn't god know everything like why do i have to like vocalize it right mm-hmm. she said like it's one thing if your parent like overhears you saying something else it's another thing if you like go directly to the parent and like tell them or ask for it or whatever it is right right that's that's a pretty powerful image too yeah because yeah i mean why should i have to tell yeah i get that like that but that's again now we're 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 intellectualizing this concept of God, like we're looking for logic in it. It's like, well, if you know everything, why do I have to tell you? It's like, it's for you, dude. <laughs> it's not for me. You know, I'm speaking from the God point. It's like, yeah, it's, this is for you. And it's interesting because you said, well, it's, you know, and because I'm picturing if someone hears this and they say, well, I'm going to try that. And you, you threw out the concern about, like, you know, it does sound like feel weird. It feels like you're talking to yourself, you know, but then we go back to Ramdas and God guru self one thing like you are talking to yourself but you're talking to this you know if and again all we're doing here is yeah we are kind of 
intellectualizing stuff, like mm -hmm. saying, you know, these things that really can't be talked about, we're trying to talk about, which I think is valuable, but it's, it's those two practices sound like even like yeah, you could find a version of that for yourself, yeah. you know, like easily. Yeah, you don't have to be like an Orthodox Jew necessarily to apply, you know, tenets of both to your life. Right, right. I love that. That's so good. Um, and there's, yeah, there's just, there's so much that we can learn from these different um, spiritual beliefs that are practical. And I, I really think that that's the bottom line. Like, I, it's fun to read stuff and talk about stuff and have, you know, you know, pilgrimage or psychedelic experience and all this stuff but yeah we have it has to work somehow it has to be practical somehow now that sounds like i'm not letting things be unfinished so there and this is what i love about these conversations i'm sorry i'm like just train of thoughting here is every time we talk about stuff you fall into this non or this dualistic idea you know because as i'm talking i'm like oh wait we just said the opposite thing before but that's kind of part of it too is continuously recognizing it's both mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah oh no sorry go on no no i was i was just ranting i'm good do you got a thought no i'm good i'm good we can yeah oh yeah so and it's what another thing that i i noticed because sometimes when like right before a podcast i'll scroll the person's social media and i'll be like what's gonna pop up like is there anything last minute and, uh, and it speaks to your starting point too, like with your parents is so much community mm -hmm. and so much community immersed in like an intention. It seems like, I don't want to put your life in a, a little Instagram box, but it does seem like that. It seems like that's a big part where you're like, you're, you're immersed with this community that is maybe asking these questions or trying to open up or whatever their thing is. And I, maybe speak a little bit about community, since it seems like it's a, it's maybe a theme. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge for me. I really like, I don't, you know, community is like one of the most important things in my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think what I mean by that is like being surrounded by people who are, you know, like soul family, whether it's like my actual family or people who are connected somehow you know through being on a similar like wavelength spiritual wavelength or whatever it is um you know, people who feel like family like there's just a familiar I like being around people souls whatever who feel familiar um and maybe that's because like I you know my parents are divorced like I you know I you know I have three siblings I'm you know, like they're, they're all in California, like it's, but it's important for me to be like with people who feel like family. Um, and so it's like, the question is, is like, who are you spending Shabbos with? Like, who are you doing your psychedelic trips with? Like, who are you spending the holidays with? Like, what does that look like? And like, that's really what community is, is like the moments that make life life, right? Like these like standout moments, like who's there when you're feeling sick or who's there when someone dies or who's there when someone's born or at a wedding or whatever. It's like, that becomes your family. Um, you know, who's there shooting the shit with you just like late at night, you know? Right. Um, so that's, I don't know. Does that make, does that? Yeah, does that no, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it almost like, I like how you, you mentioned set and setting because this goes back to your, your maid like a big point, which is like, oh, that is the psychedelic experience too. the people that you're with. Like that is the like, ha and even maybe some intention goes in between, like, cause there are a lot of people I think we have, and not to say that, you know, your old friends aren't great in some ways, but sometimes as you change, you might need other tools and other people, I don't want to call them tools, but other people to be around that, you know, s spend time doing things that might, you know, open you up a little bit and 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 you know maybe there is some intention to community that I never really thought of like that yeah I mean I think a lot of people I'm friends with or in the community have mm -hmm. you know this dream pipe dream whatever of like an intentional community of starting mm -hmm. you know, project on land and living in proximity to each other and you know going you know there's a shul and a school and a you know, all the, you know, different elements that like make that, that are community oriented. And, 
you know, I think a lot of the people I'm in community with, quote unquote, have taught me a lot. And so I am pretty intentional about who I spend time with because the conversations that I have um, and the ways of being that I observe in other people or with other people really helps me refine my own practices. Um, and so the people I've become friends with or the communities that I've fallen into um, have really helped me become more of like who I am, right. um, which in a way that like my, you know, high school friends haven't necessarily been able to do for me um, yeah. as much as reconnecting with them also brings you back to like a version of yourself too. That's very grounding. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it all works. It's all there for, you know, it's all usable and not in a negative use, like use and throw away, but you know, to make you more of yourself. And I, I really like that. And it's interesting because it, it made me think, you know, with all, with the people that do want to be in their, their dream is to be in like a close proximity, intentional community. Um, but at the same time, it's like a lot of the people that I've connected with most within this, um, this sort of path is, is through the internet. You know what I mean? Like I've connected with way more. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know there's so many, you know, people that are so specific to my little weird niche, you know, all of a sudden I'm finding all these like people who like heavy metal and Ram Dass, And I'm like, what, what's happening? Where are, where are all these guys that are these people at? And it's so interesting, but it is, it's, it's such a trap, but also this, this opening thing that like, but we are here in this weird age where a lot of the connections are going to happen in, in that space. So it's, it's that that's that just kind of hit me that way. I'm like, all right, how do we work within this space that can be so such a trap, but also can connect us in such a way that we've never seen before? Yeah, I mean, I think another thing about it is like there are internet communities, and the question is, is like, but who are you? How are you spending your time and who in, in time and space? Mm. Um, and how does that how does that become real or maybe it is real I mean I, I'm not someone who like I, I guess I interact with people on social media but I like you know I, I get very like checked out of the mm. internet sometimes so you know yeah no you're not wrong either because I mean I there's a, a friend of mine that we connected through common interests um, musical common interests and then we um, found out we were both, you know, listening to Ram Dass and reading similar stuff. And then we met in person at the, at the Be Here Now anniversary a few years ago in LA. And it was, and to your point of, you know, there, there, once we were together, like in the same room, I think it went up by like a thousand percent, like the, the connection did. They're like, oh, this is a person, like, this is, well, like you said, we're family. I didn't know. Like before I was like, that's a cool guy on the internet. We have some similar interests. And it's like, oh no, this is a brother now. Like I didn't know that. And so to that point, yeah, it's like, where, what are you doing with it? And where are you kind of headed with that? Cause you can get stuck. It's a muddy place, the, the internet. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, like the moments, the moments that matter, like the moments that are, you know, family moments, like Shabbos and weddings and stuff like that you know right like when we're celebrating when we're suffering like who's showing up exactly yeah yeah i mean that's it's really good it's interesting because a lot of what we're talking about isn't on my page of notes that i was gonna <laughs> oh, good. okay but that, i like it I'm, I'm really happy with everything uh but i do i know we're we got about 15 minutes um and i I have a couple questions that I always close with and you kind of answered one. So I'm going to make you do it again in a different way. Um, a more open way, um, is I, I started this podcast in many ways to share things that I found interesting or valuable or whatever. I mean, I think human beings like to share stuff, you know, look at this thing, this, this song, this book, this, whatever here, like, check this out. You, you, especially with those who you feel like are family to bring this together, the people you love, you're like, Oh, You'll love this. You got to try it. I want you to feel how I felt when I did this. So I'm wondering if you have any suggestions at all. Like if you had, a, and it can be a couple, it can be one, it can be a book, a practice, a, a movie. It can be anything deep, not deep, doesn't matter. Just what would you suggest people? To like, sorry, to re, like, regardless. Yes. 
regarding and yeah you could say it could be a book that you say this is a really good one you could say it's a practice that hey i do like you said with shabbat like that's why i said you kind of answered it a little bit by giving me those but anything that you would suggest to people that you think are are valuable and it could be as simple as a song or it could be a book or it could be a practice whatever yeah um okay so there's a few books one is called magic of the ordinary uncovering the shamanic it's about like Jewish shamanism um, and it kind of equates Judaism as like the religion of the original tribe as more similar to like a Native American tradition than, you know, Christian, whatever, um, academic. Mm -hmm. So that's by Gershon Winkler, Magic of the Ordinary. Um, another book that has really helped me like re reconceive of Shabbat is called The Sabbath. Um, and it's by Heschel, H-E-S-C-H-E-L, I think it is. Um, and then there's like a lot of, I mean, I just, I love Rabbi Nachman. Um, and so he has a lot of these kind of like, I don't know if I'd call them fairy tales, but they're, they're like mystical tales, um, almost like they feel like fairy tales. And so, you know, you could get a translation, um, you know, like I think it's one by Arya Kaplan is called Rabbi Nachman's Stories. And it has a lot of commentary on like what, what it all means, like what's cool. the symbol of it. Um, there's also a very like cute little practical book called Jewish Meditation by Arya Kaplan. And that, you know, has helped me understand Jewish um, practices that I thought mm -hmm. were more Hindu-based or Buddhist-based and also Jewish. Cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's just some yeah. of it to start. Yeah. yeah, no, those are, those are great. I, I, the first one you mentioned, I do own, but I haven't finished. Uh, oh, you go the ordinary? Yeah, I saw you, I, maybe I heard you talk about it somewhere, saw a poster, or I don't remember, but I did pick it up. It's just in the big pile. I haven't, yeah, haven't, I started it and I haven't finished, but um, that's, yeah, those are, the, I'm sure those will be, I, the, the fairy tale, the, the, the mythical story thing always kind of appeals to me. I love symbolism and stuff. It just works in my brain. So that's, pretty cool um so a couple more things before we close um uh, my this la this we usually end with this but i might give you a bonus question just for the fun of it depending how long this goes so in the story of peter pan the lost boys get some fairy dust and a and a happy thought and that happy thought elevates them it brings them up what would be your happy thought <laughs> um <laughs> i Oh uh, yeah. Okay. I actually put this in my book and I'm oh, cool. probably going to get some pushback. Um, there's this mantra, it's Nanach, Nachman, Nachman, Meyuman. And I, I don't actually know. It's not really a mantra. It's anyways, it's, it's like graffitied everywhere in Israel. Like it's, it's a particular sect of Hasidim who are followers of Rebbe Nachman. Now, not all of Reb Nachman's followers are Nanach, but some of them are and like their whole thing is to like just go around in these crazy colored like merry prankster vans and blast music and get out at the stoplights and dance in the middle of the streets and they're just total like merry pranksters um and they're, they're called nanachs and they go and they graffiti this little you know that whole phrase that i just told you mm -hmm. And so if I think of Nanach, it just like makes me happy. Wow. And they say Rabbi Nachman said the great, I mean, the whole thing is like the greatest mitzvah that, that is to be happy. And so it's the idea is that it really is like supposed to be a happy thought. Wow. That's really good. And Mary Prankster, can I just say that? It's like a term that I feel like I don't hear enough. Like that's not a thing. Enough people are Mary yeah. Pranksters. That's pretty, that's pretty good. I, I had no idea that existed. So I'm going to have to look into that. Uh, that's a good one. I like that a lot. Um, so let's, do you have any, any, because I don't know. So how old were you in the Ram Dass community when you like, do you have any fun Ram Dass stories that you could close us out uh, with? Yeah, there's another one um, that I also put in my book. Um, yes, yeah, so I grew up like Ram Dass, you know, Ram Dass and my dad have known each other since the seventies. Um, so I kind of grew up with him like as a, you know, figure coming around here and there um but there's one story where I was in Hawaii with my mom I was 16 and my mom brought me and my brother to see Ramdas and um 
I was like, you know, a family friend style, like, and I, I'd always fight, like I was six, I was fighting with my mom, right? Like right, teenager right. stuff. As you should, right? Yeah. And I, um, I like flip, like I would do this thing where I'd scratch my cheek with my middle fingers. So I'd be like right. flipping my mom off. And, right. um, and so I, when I went to, um, my mom like basically started telling Ram, like she told on me to Ram Dass and you know he's he's a therapist after all right, 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 right. <laughs> so it's like let's just like lay our shit on him like this poor right. guy <laughs> like you know she really just like laid it on him and he like he didn't I don't think he cared or right. whatever but at the end when when we were leaving he's like says bye to me and he's like waving and then he like waves and like scratches his cheek with his little finger and That's so it's like everyone talks about going to Hawaii and like kissing Ram Dass's feet or something. Right. And I get to say Ram Dass flipped me off. So. Right. And, and we're talking about merry pranksters, you know what I mean? Like those last two things just connect really well. That's really good. That's such yeah. a good story. And I can picture my, <laughs> I can picture my niece who is, who's uh, 12, you know, flicking her mom off behind her back right now. So like, it's so good. It's so good that these, these teachers that sometimes we put on these inhuman pedestals are also uh, playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's like even a more fun way to, to relate to them. Um, right. Like so. that's, that's very human and fun. And like that speaks to that last uh, thing you said about just being happy, being the ultimate mitzvah. I think that's so cool. That's a, such a good, <laughs> good tie in and such a funny image. <laughs> Especially because you're 16 and he's just, just flicking off a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. good. It's so good. Um, well, we're coming up on the hour and I I, I know we're, uh, we were fitting in this window, but I feel really good. Is there, I, I, what's the book called? Let's, and I know we mentioned the book, but what's the name of the book? So people yeah, know. It's, it's called Exile and Ecstasy, colon, growing up with Ram Dass and coming of age in the Jewish psychedelic underground um and yeah it's uh it's coming out in the fall and i guess when you post this you can post a link so people can get yeah, it i will yep it's on i pre-ordered on amazon already so uh, i know everybody on here has already got their credit cards in amazon so just do, do one click and buy it um anyway thank you is there anything else you wanted to share yes. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. I've I've been enjoying. I know this is a podcast, but I'm loving the art behind you and oh, the yeah. dots picture. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, really. I just it's so fun to talk about all this and for that that people actually care about all the weird shit that I care about. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I'm so glad you're doing it and you're putting out so much information and so much genuine experiences. And so for people like me that are curious and 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 searching around and digging through the humanness of it all we, uh, we appreciate it so thank you and thank you for being on and thank you so much mm -hmm. okay all right bye. bye thanks thanks for listening remember you are always everything bye